0: Hello and welcome to the Metal Hammer podcast episode 81. I am L and I'm here with Al. Hello. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm better than good actually. I'm super 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 hyped because this week we have launched our new issue and Baby Metal are on the cover.
1: Oh my god.
0: Baby Metal. And they are <laughs> Floating through their new Metal Galaxy. That's obviously the name of their new record. We're talking about all about the new album Metal Galaxy. Life after Ui Metal and generally just world domination and what they're going to do next. Really interesting chat with them and Cobra Metal, their manager, all about what's next in the Baby Metal plan. Also, it comes with an exclusive patch. It's an amazing patch. It looks a bit black metal. It's basically the Fox God in corpse paint. Can't get more metal than that. And an art print of the Fox God as a constellation in the metal galaxy. It's just, it's so baby metal. So go and pick that up. What else is in the issue, Alice? Well,
1: we have Korn talking about their new album, The Nothing. Uh, There's a Steel Panther pub quiz, which is super exciting. Um, We also have Cult of Luna, Opeth. Visceral Discord. Top 25 Power Metal Albums, Motorhead, Slipknot, Cradle of Filth, North Lane, Baroness, Soundgarden, Azagram, Chelsea Wolf, Bloodstock, Wacken Open Air, Tangent,
0: Midgars Blot and loads and loads and loads of other stuff. It's literally bursting with <laughs> metal. All the metal. That's our new issue out this week with baby metal on the cover, baby metal patch, baby metal art print, and a ton of other awesome metal bands. You can get it in shops now or go to tinyurl.com slash buy him hammer. That's tinyurl.com slash hammer. And it's issue three two seven with baby metal on it. Yep. Fucking baby metal. They are back. <laughs> what else has been going on
1: lots of things lots tell me Alice lots tell me the things. Of things
0: you went to watch a band
1: I did I went to see a band called wait there I have to think about how you say it because I did look it up and now it's gone from my mind it's like Ouija Dod. I think you have to Is say it? yeah in
0: my head it's always Ouija dude I know I don't, I don't think don't that's, know right. if that's true
1: I think it's like dode or something at the end it's mm. not dude where are they from uh Belgium cool Yeah, so I went to see them and I've reviewed them for the issue coming up next that we're working on. Um, Give us a
0: little primer.
1: So they played um, all three of their albums back to back. Um, So they have three albums uh, in true black metal style. They've done a trilogy, uh, which often a lot of black metal bands do. Um, So they all just follow on from one another. Um, I'm not going to try and say the name of the album. Oh, please do. (laughs) I can't even remember. Like it's, it's not in my language, a.k.a. <laughs> English. I <laughs> feel like um, you could try harder here. Definitely uh, feel like
0: you'd get a zero in the school test. <sighs> um, so,
1: yeah, they played them back to back. They're very long songs, but they don't have many songs on the album, which is quite, like, droney, really. I mean, it's not a very black metal thing to do. Black metal songs are usually shorter than 10 minutes. But... Um, yeah, they they've got these really long songs, kind of like Sun, or well, um, Amon Ra, mm-hmm. and one of the members is in Amon Ra, so so they've got this kind of yeah, like. Because
0: aren't they part of the Church of Ra? Yeah, they are. Which is the collective that Amon Ra kind of mm-hmm. s- loosely set up a group of bands from yeah. Belgium that all adhere to the similar values.
1: Yeah, and two of the members are in Oathbreaker, who are also in Church of Ra. Yeah. So, um, yes, they're all in that kind of scene and they're quite atmospheric, quite like they're not they're not just sort of straight black metal. Uh, They're not as fast as most black metal bands. They're a lot slower. um, They've got a lot of atmospherics, as I said, in there. And they're almost like verging on the post black metal, except that they're not. It's kind of like they haven't gone that far. They haven't like strayed that far yet, but you can kind of like see that maybe they'd they'd have a tendency to go a little bit further and push it a bit further away from black metal. Um, but they're really really good albums. Um, yeah, um, but but like two hours of them, it was a bit like whew, I don't know.
0: Did they have any breaks or was it straight through? Power straight through. through the they
1: do not talk to the crowd. It's almost like you know, like those really cool, like too cool for you indie bands that just stand there like. Yeah, I'm just gonna play, and they don't say it, but you know that's what's gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of like that, and it just kind of got a bit like, just you know, like just put on some costumes
0: and like you know get get to the s- front of the stage and like you know. So ha- you kind of felt like there wasn't quite enough showmanship for you yeah. for a three album show. You yeah, felt like it could have been a little bit more special, maybe. It was too like
1: indie, too artsy but not artsy enough if you get me. It was like we're too uh, we're too <laughs> cool, we're too cool to do anything else. This is like stripped back, but we're like yeah, there's nothing to watch, which kind of I think, you know, you need to put in a little bit more if you're going to do like two full hours of a set. Mm. Um like it would be it would have been fine if it was like, you know, Dimmu Borgir or like I don't know, like Walter Mass. they're fucking amazing live. Um but yeah, someone that had more of a show to them, um, would be fine for two hours of black metal. But yeah, I like I like my black metal satanic and full of show stuff. Like so for you it was too almost just too focused.
0: What? <laughs> I just carry on I'm interrupting you and you're carrying on with no, this litany of <laughs> gory horrors that you want to see from this poor band who were just playing their music and probably playing it quite well across a grueling yeah, two-hour show
1: but it was two full hours with no no chat or anything you know so yeah. it was it was quite like long going especially when you're not drinking you know when you're not like getting drunk.
0: So, So yeah, all a bit much for you, but good show, but just could have had more of a show. Basically. Yeah. 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 Or just, you know, had little breaks,
1: (laughs) something like that. I don't know. It was just, yes, it's it's a lot, like two hours of one band anyway. Like any band is like, especially if you're not like 18 and really drunk, it just feels like, oh,
0: I've been standing here for... In ages now, I think it depends on the variation of the music. If you're watching a band where the music's quite varied, you're and you're really into it, you almost don't notice the passage of time. Mm. But if it's something where it's kind of a similar sound for a lot of the songs, or like you vibe. could
1: definitely hear the evolution of their music, um but which was quite interesting, and you could see like when when they kicked into a new album it's kind of like the, the energy picked up, because maybe the first songs of each album have the most energy of the albums, I don't know, but I think people kind of really got into it then, and by the third album, I think more people were drunk, and you could still people, you could see people just kind of like picking up the energy, because it had been a little bit like slow, maybe they got a bit drunk then, and they were like, yeah, come on, let's like, you know, start proper, you know, going crazy, and but it's not quite the sort of black metal that you can really go crazy to. So, yeah.
0: Well, talking of blood and bones, we both went to a really interesting event last week. Yeah. We, we did. went to a very special Metal Hammer hosted Lacuna Coil playback at the London Dungeon. First of all, we got a tour around the London Dungeon, which was super, super cool. And then I did a Q and a with Andrea and Christina. And then we had a playback of Black Anima, which is their ninth album coming out very soon. And it was a really crazy night, wasn't it? It was Christina and Andrea actually dressed up as plague doctors mm-hmm. to scare people doing the dungeon tours. And even though I knew they were going to be there and I was trying to stay at the back of the crowd so I wouldn't get scared by them <laughs> and because i knew we had a photographer he was going to capture i didn't want to be in the pictures so i was like standing in the back of the crowd but still <laughs> when they moved i literally screamed <laughs> it was so <laughs> funny they were actually really good at scaring people and look surprisingly natural in plague doctor outfits these big capes and masks and the dungeon was pretty cool as well i'd never been there was it your first time as well yeah i'd never been there and it, they genuinely had some scary moments where, you know, they turn all the lights off and the actors come up to you and try and make you jump and scare you. And they had a, a bit about the plague and they had a bit of like a Jack the Ripper pub where they're talking about the Ripper victims and a Mrs. Lovett's Pies section. Where yeah,
1: a bit like Folk taley, wasn't it then? Like,
0: it, yeah. Um, oh,
1: Sweeney Todd as well. Yeah, it was. that was it, yeah. yeah.
0: It was like all the kind of London legends mm-hmm. of slaughter and murder and villainy. Mm-hmm. But it was really cool. It definitely had a lot of jump scares. Yeah. Were you actually scared at any point?
1: No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Too hard hearted, <laughs> but that was great. And then, yeah, I had a chat with him about black anima and you can read all about that in an upcoming issue of metal hammer And they were quite open about it in front of the fans. And they sort of talked a little bit about the making of it and how they basically started off making a collage of art and other dark imagery that meant stuff to them. And the album's quite a lot about loss. And they kind of went into that side of things. And then we heard the record, which you guys will hear very soon, which sort of reminds me a bit of Comalize in the sense that it's sort of a return to that really sort of melancholic vibe, but it also mm-hmm. sounds modern. It sounds like it was made in 2019 and, and is doing a lot more screaming again, like on Delirium. And, uh, you know, they've both kind of written these lyrics that are pretty full on, really. So it's quite a hard listen, but uh, I'm really into it. What about you, Alice? Um, Did I'm, you hear it? You I'm, not, it
1: I'm not a massive Lacuna Coil fan, mm. personally um so i can't really you can make a gauge on whether or not you thought it was kind of well no i haven't listened to the whole thing and i don't i have i can't really say anything
0: i was totally into it to i'm like totally criti- into it like <laughs> critical <laughs> about it i couldn't compare
1: it to the lacuna coil stuff or it's just not really my cup of tea
0: it's not black metal but it was great it was a really fun night and just a huge celebration really because That band did their 20th anniversary show. um, It was the 119 show in London last year. And they made a DVD of it. And they kind of had this whole evolution. And that was sort of a culmination of it and a big celebration of where they've been. And this record really feels like a band who are comfortable with their legacy and who they are and and moving forward. So yeah, it's just a really fun night of scares and music and bloody things. I had a great time actually just handling all the entrails just around london dungeon they (laughs) just had like up at these random places that have entrails hanging on the wall yeah just love a bit of like entrails skeletons (laughs) (laughs) it was great i really enjoyed it it was cool yeah and then that same day on friday what was in the news alice go on tell us the big news story of the week
1: well tool have pushed taylor swift off number one on the billboard 200 charts
0: Massive news. They're the charts in the US, in case you don't know. So Taylor Swift, we all know, pop princess Taylor Swift. Mm -hmm. She'd been there for a couple of weeks and all the fans started getting really weirded out because they were like, who are Tool? Never heard of this band called Tool. What is happening? You know, there was talk that Tool might unseat Taylor Swift from her queenly throne. And then all the Tool fans piled on, trying to explain to the Taylor Swift fans who Tool were. And the fact they hadn't had a record for thirteen years, and then the Taylor Swift fans were like, oh, "I don't care if it's been thirteen years. Taylor's worked really hard to get to number one. Who at Tool to come along and <laughs> knock her off the top spot?" So it was kind of, it reminded me a bit of those old school like radio battles you'd have when we were kids between like Blur and Oasis mm. or something. It was kind of this old school clash of the Taylor Swift fans and the Tool fans, and in the end, Tool beats Taylor Swift to the top spot, which is a pretty amazing achievement obviously is their first record in 13 years, much anticipated, mm-hmm. but it's still a rock band slash metal band slash progressive band on the top of the charts, which is awesome.
1: Yeah, it is cool.
0: And in the UK, they got a number four, which was the same as 10,000 days, their previous record, but I'm not really sure how it works in the UK because I think I spoke last week about how I had an edition of the album that I pre-ordered from the States that came with a little TV screen in the middle. And I know a lot of people in the UK either couldn't get hold of that or didn't want to buy it necessarily because it was £80. And I don't think it was easy to get hold of. So I feel like maybe if they'd done kind of a more standard edition, maybe it would have got to number one in the UK. But number four, for having a premium product like that and relying on streaming is still amazing. It's still an amazing Mm -hmm. chart position for a band and to have that and slip on the same year it does feel a bit of a victory for rock and metal. So I am yeah. hyped. Yeah, it's good. I'm talking of Slipknot, their record. We are not your kind. Jim Root has said he wants to play. We are not your kind in full live next year, which I am super, 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 super excited about. I really hope it happens. Uh, we've talked about this record a lot in the podcast, big record, number one record, really varied sounds. That you can pick any song on it and find something to like. And I think as one of our, one of you guys said online, it's one of the kind of records where one minute you have one song that's your favorite and then a few days time you might have changed to another song because there's so much in there to get stuck into and it feels like a proper, proper return to form and a big statement about Slipknot. And it's very cool. And yeah, so they might play it next year. In full for their 25th anniversary, he told a radio station in the States called WMMR rocks and I just really want to hear it I think it'd be amazing
1: yeah I think it's strange though to play their new album for their 25th anniversary rather than like their old one
0: uh well they've done um you know they did Iowa not fest in the past so they have done records from their past and I think Jim said that they you know they enjoyed doing that it was a really cool thing to do for them and the fans and they'd like to find a way to play the new album from the beginning to the end and just kind of um, do something without a big stage show without a big fanfare and just play the music so I don't know I feel like there are no rules obviously it's good to hear it's good to hear and celebrate albums on their anniversaries but to do something for your 25th anniversary that's celebrating your current music I think is actually really nice it's not kind of it's it's always good to celebrate past legacies. I would never, you know, say that anyone shouldn't do that. And I really enjoy going to those shows and reliving that. But it'd be pretty cool for a band like Slipknot, who've been around for 25 years, to actually celebrate with their current music and go, we're celebrating who we are and this is who we are now. And, you know, come and listen to the whole record and doing something that was really stripped back, you can imagine would have an amazing energy to it just playing those songs from beginning to end i would go and watch that yeah i mean i get your point <laughs> good point <laughs> you could be a bit more excited <laughs> i really hope if they do it though i really hope they do something like that in the uk because i feel like it's something they would end up doing at a not fest or in the states somewhere and i'll be really good because i wouldn't be able to go so um but you know I'd love to do that. And I think he did say something about streaming it as well. So maybe even if a lot of people couldn't go, we could join in online. Yeah. Not quite as good, but still something. Yes. Yeah, know. exactly. What else is happening this week?
1: Um, well, uh, Francis Bean Cobain, who, by the way, is Kirk Cobain of Nirvana fame's <laughs> daughter, <laughs> um, has started... Um, creating merchandise of her late father's um, illustrations.
0: Yeah, so I wanted to talk about this because I just thought it was really interesting. It was one of those news stories that made me kind of sit up and have a think about it. Mm. So the merchandise line is called Kurt Was Here and it's basically all of Kurt's doodles and scribbles and that kind of thing. They've been put onto T-shirts and hoodies and they're being sold um, you know under license from his estate so Francis Bean Cobain has curated this line to make sure it's kind of what is is what's in line with what she would want for her father's legacy and she's overseen the way the artwork is used and the way everything looks and all the rest of it and there's some really interesting stuff on there if you've ever seen any of his diaries or anything like that or you know his scribbles you'll have seen the kind of things he's done and they're basically kind of stuck all that on t-shirts but I don't know, it's one of those really weird things where you read it, and at the time, people were so critical of Nirvana and they had all the criticism of sellouts that it seems strange from that perspective that Francis, his daughter, would be making money from his work in that way. But having said that, I'm all for it. I think, you know, that's what he left to her. It's her. Uh, artwork to do with what she wants to and if she can make a living from his legacy and be doing it on her own terms you know not being ripped off by another company or something trying to do the same thing then totally think that's cool and the line is really cool so i don't have a problem with it but i imagine it might be something that would kind of kick up a few opinions Mm. what's your take on it
1: um i don't i'm not really sure to be honest um i think it is kind of like yeah capitalizing on her father's her father's legacy but it's not her legacy is it i mean i i do have like a bit of a issue with that when kids are just like well i'm just going to like ride on the the coattails of my daddy or mummy
0: is it riding though or is it celebrating and getting it out there to people in a way that is, you know, a good way to do. It's out there under your own terms. It's not out there because somebody else has ripped them off and you're kind of celebrating all his work and putting out into the world. Like, seeing it from that point of view, it definitely seems like a positive thing to do.
1: Yeah, no, I get you. I do get you. But um, I still think it's a weird one. And especially... With Kurt Cobain and how he sort of like shut like he wanted to be a rock star, but then he hated the fame that that brought. And you know him as a person, I guess it's a bit strange because I don't think it's something that he'd want to put out there. Like you know, especially because it's personal. It's something that doodles of his. They're not like something to do with his band. They're a more personal thing, and he wasn't very like. He wasn't the kind of guy to go and, like, you know, air all of his personal shit out there. If it was to do with the band and stuff like that, he would do it. But when it came to his personal life, he wasn't quite as, like, open about it. And I think that in that case, I don't know, it's, it's kind of like, would he be happy about all of his, like, things being released? And I guess it's the same with how they released all of his journals and everything anyway. Like, he probably wouldn't have been okay with that. But there we go.
0: I don't know. It's interesting, isn't it? Because you have to kind of rely on the family to make those decisions as they Mm -hmm. control the estate, and you also kind of imagine that any (coughs) parent—excuse me—any parent is going to want their children to be safe and secure. And if this is kind of another way of doing that, and makes you know her happy as well, then
1: I'm pretty sure she's safe and secure and rich enough. No, I know. (laughs) It's another way, though,
0: isn't it? To to kind of like I said, you're getting that out there in your own terms and. It is a it is financial security, you know, whatever that means, you know, for anybody.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah, it's a weird one. Would you buy any of them? Have you seen them?
1: Yeah, I mean, they're quite, you know, they're artsy. They're that kind of like minimalist. They're quite cool, but it's just, I don't think I'd buy any of them.
0: Because you've got mixed feelings. <laughs> yeah, and just...
1: Just because, I I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I I don't think I would.
0: Interesting. Well, I guess in other news this week, it seems like if current trends hold, then vinyl is set to outpace the sales of CDs for the first time since 1986. That's going to happen this year if things keep going as the way they are. According to the Recording Industry Association of America... So more vinyl, less CDs. Yes, I know you're already stoked about that because you're very old school and you like a lot of old school things. Yeah, in your but life. also like
1: CDs are kind of shitty. And if you've got <laughs> like if you've got an MP3, right, then you don't need a CD. Like I use CDs in my car because my car doesn't have any other way of playing music. So I have tons of CDs. I've got all the CDs that I had when I was growing up. I've got loads and loads and loads and loads of CDs. Too many CDs, and I like them being tangible. But CDs aren't pretty, they're not something that you can keep, they're not like anything special, there's nothing artsy about them, they're just this disc that eventually goes to shit, or you step on it by mistake and then it's just, it's it's fucked. So, um, and it's, because they're so small and just plastic, it's, they're not beautiful things. Like, as much as I like a tangible thing, I'd just rather have loads of stuff on streaming and on mp3 and then have vinyls because they're pretty and you can frame them And they usually have posters in them and they have like pretty colored like um, records and stuff like that. Even if you're not actually playing the vinyl, Mm. they're a nice tangible thing to keep. If you're going to get something when you're already streaming everything, I think it's like that's the most. That's the thing that I would want to spend the money on because it's something that's pretty and it's something that you can keep. And yeah, they're just nicer to have around, really. Do you buy records? Yeah, I do buy, buy records, yeah. Was the
0: last one you bought?
1: Um, so I've got a few that I didn't buy. <laughs> <But> <laughs> you know,
0: what was the last record you bought? I've got a few that I didn't buy. Well, so like you they're you're, newer. Lu- you're lucky enough to be given them Yeah, I was this given, job. Yeah, I was
1: given them. But, <laughs> but the last one that <laughs> I actually... gifted. Yeah, and, and also actually this one that I was going to say was gifted also, but it was gifted by my mother for Christmas. <laughs> oh, that's nice. Yeah, um... So the last one that I was gifted by my mother was the Coven um, reissue. Nice. And it's signed by Jinx Dawson. And that's really, really cool. And I haven't opened it. I'm like, ah, it's so pretty. Um, So I've got that one. And then I was gifted the new Dark Throne and the new Mork album and the new Mortem one, which is really, really good. And you should check it out.
0: So you go home, put your vinyl on. Well, it's should like, say I don't know why I'm saying vinyl on. Like when I grew up, it was just called a record. Yeah. <laughs> you go home and put your records on and you sit with your crystals around you. What are they? Dark tourmaline? And then you just kind of listen to the music.
1: Black tourmaline.
0: Black tourmaline. I'm sorry. I've got a lot of
1: labradorite as well.
0: Uh, I thought it was, was labradorite, like a dog. Labradorite. Lab, yeah, it's from Labrador. Is it?
1: Yeah. It's in Canada.
0: Wow. Yeah. Learn something new every day.
1: It's a dark version of Rainbow Moonstone, oh, essentially.
0: Interesting. All <laughs> your crystal info, Alice is the girl for you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, obviously, one of the reasons why that this is happening is because people are streaming more and more. So sale of CDs are going down, so it's kind of leveling off with vinyl. Then people, like you said, kind of like having vinyl for the... Uh, you know having an object and having something beautiful so there's been a
1: lot of reissues though like in the last few years it's really had a sort of resurgence yeah so I think for a while cds like even with the streaming and stuff like vinyl had had a massive decline But yes yeah, they're like sort of evening out I suppose because more people are buying vinyl less people are buying cds and
0: it's just and it's that thing of supporting a band you love as well isn't it somebody might yeah be tempted to buy a vinyl instead of a cd because they yeah. want to give the band some money to support them, but they're just going to stream it. So it's like you said, you know, you get something anyway, but interesting times, you know, interesting times. to See what happens. Mm-hmm. Shall we do some reader questions? Yep. Okay. Do you want to go first? All right. So Joe
1: Heaton asks, given the amount of raised eyebrows at Megadeth supporting five finger death punch, what are some of the strangest or unlikeliest touring packages you've seen?
0: Well, I really struggle with this one and I'm a massive failure because I failed to come up with a metal answer. But I asked my colleague, Fraser, and he's the online editor at Classic Rock. And he gave me a really funny answer that I wanted to share. He said he once saw the German experimental group. OK, deep breath. Einster Zender Neubarten, really hard to say, with Shawadi Wadi, who are a 1950s revival song band. They did like Under the Moon of Love and stuff. So he saw a German experimental group with a British 50s cover group at a venue called the Kilburn National in 1987. (laughs) (laughs) I wish I'd been there because it sounds pretty crazy. And Fraser was really good at, you know, just listening to and going to random and obscure things. And it does not surprise me that he went to a show like that with two completely different bands but I'm going to have to come back to this like next week or something. Cause I really, struggled. it is a really difficult one. Do you have any others?
1: So I got a few, but they're not, they're not like super, super crazy, but like, I find it quite surprising that Behemoth are on tour with Slipknot. I think that's really? a bit weird.
0: I don't find that weird at all.
1: I think it's quite weird. Why do you think it's weird? Musically, it's quite weird.
0: Like Expand.
1: They're very different. Like Behemoth are like death black metal. And like, their background is in like black metal, and they've always been like they've they've got bigger now, but they're always you know more of an underground band. And like Slipknot are just like one of the biggest metal bands of the last twenty years.
0: I see everything as kind of the same as a like the same part of a whole, though I guess because Slipknot are obviously a huge, massive band, but they are still a heavy band. You know, like we said before, if you listen to something like Solway Firth off the last record, like they still understand. What extreme metal is? Even though they're, I don't know. they're not an extreme metal band, <laughs> but you I know, wouldn't they, compare they that. Und- to... <laughs> I'm not saying they're an extreme metal band. Do not twist my words. I'm saying they understand extreme metal. I'm not saying they play extreme metal. I'm saying they understand extreme metal. I still think it's strange. And I think that Behemoth have grown in the last few years to become much more of a mainstream band and much less of an underground band. So I feel like there's a bit in the middle where they meet, and people now who like. Slipknot will probably like Behemoth because they've become more accessible and people who like Behemoth may, I'm saying a may, may like Slipknot. I feel like there's more in common now than there has been before and that we're in a world where people are open to liking stuff that is from the same family, even if it's not the same music.
1: Yeah, I get like, well, they're both metal bands, but it's just, they're just a strange two metal bands to be together I feel
0: but I kind of think as well if you're somebody who has criticized Slipknot in the past few years for like not making another Iowa or something you might be like hey cool Behemoth are on the tour I like them they're a bit you know more extreme that kind of makes it worthwhile going and if you're a Slipknot fan um hang on I've lost my train of thought (laughs) if you're Uh... a Behemoth fan (laughs) um you know maybe you like what Slipknot are doing now and it's you know, you recognise that the bands you like in Behemoth are becoming kind of more mainstream prospects. I don't know, I just kind of think it feels like it goes together for me.
1: That's fair.
0: <laughs> and that wasn't even
1: my weirdest one.
0: Um Go on. I, So
1: like who else did I have? Okay, so um Rotten Christ is supporting Moonspell. I think that's a bit weird.
0: It's a little bit weird. Um what do we think about that? Again, though, Rowan, <laughs> Rowan Christ are less underground now and I would say easier to get into. But like Moonspell. I mean, yeah, I don't really know who you'd put Moonspell with. No, Probably but I wouldn't have, have put them with
1: Foreign Christ. Just uh, is a bit weird to me. Um, also, I once saw The Killing Joke support Motley Crue.
0: Killing Joke on Motley Crue? Yeah. Are you serious? Where yeah. was this? Uh, 2006? Killing Joke and whatley Crew, yeah, that's very weird, isn't it? It was weird, yeah. <laughs> <And sort of laughs> British apocalyptic industrial, like crazy conspiracy theorist, amazing band with like I don't know, 80s hair metal, yeah, like just 80s hair metal, and. Yeah. <laughs> everything that goes along with that like just sex and <laughs> drugs and groupies and yeah that's a really weird combination yeah it was what, what kind of a venue was it an arena show yeah
1: how weird it was when they just in that red white and crew and they'd like reunited or whatever so it was weird. yeah
0: well that was a really good answer because I would not have put them together what would Jazz Coleman and like Vince Neil or Nikki Six talk about I don't know I just think they'd pie. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> i mean i imagine that like <laughs> jazz has got a very uh interesting mind and oh, it's open to creative experiences <laughs> and what <laughs> M- they <Mötley laughs> grew traditionally like drinking drugs I, th- I think half of them might be sober now probably all of them so i don't mm. know would like to be a fly on the wall backstage at that show yeah be weird We have a question from Alex Ginge Knight. Hi, Ginge. Uh, He says, after last week's podcast with the talking about Post Malone and Ozzy collaboration, do you think it was a quick cash grab from Ozzy as he didn't really put much difference into the song like I was hoping for? What are all of your thoughts?
1: Yeah, so I don't think it was really a collaboration.
0: Uh, Yeah. It was uh, just
1: him guesting or guest vocals on a Post Malone song
0: it definitely felt like somebody gave him the words and he sang them and then that was kind of it and that was mm-hmm. over uh, obviously the record came out on friday uh, if you haven't heard it the post-, post malone record and it was called hollywood's bleeding and the song featuring Ozzy osborne and travis scott is called take what you want and Ozzy opens the song and it's so distinctive and so Ozzy and we were kind of wondering last week is he gonna rap is he gonna do something like super weird that's a departure but no it sounds like Aussie singing a quiet bit on a fairly standard Aussie song it, you know it doesn't sound really any different and then it kind of segues into being a Post Malone song so it doesn't really feel like the two styles were blended so much as Aussie kind of sang a bit that sounded like Aussie, and then the song happened I hmm. don't know you're like I don't love it I'll be honest I think it's interesting but I definitely think it had more scope to be completely what the fuck and it wasn't really what the fuck it was just kind of like oh yeah that's a thing yeah what did you think when you heard it
1: yeah I mean I wasn't I didn't think it would be anything crazy I don't know I, I just, hoped I it would really... be crazy I hoped yeah, it would like blow my mind it was just still going to just be beige post Malone rubbish wasn't it
0: I don't know. It could have been something amazing. I like to be optimistic and have my mind open. I'm not cynical like you, Alice. I have an open mind. I just know (laughs) that
1: that it's very unlikely that Post Malone's going to blow it.
0: You never know. You (laughs) never know. But he did an interview, Post Malone did an interview with Zane Lowe. And apparently he said that Ozzy was well into the collaboration. Uh, Post Malone says, I was in Utah because I just got off tour. Ozzy went over to producer Andrew Watts' house and he said, hey, you know what? Ozzy Osbourne's coming down. We're going to cut it and I'll FaceTime you and you let me know what's going on. So we talked and it was a big fucking deal. Ozzy Osbourne. And then Post Malone also says, I think he crushed it. And he was telling the producer, this is my favorite shit I've done since Sabbath, since I started my own way. And Post Malone said he was honored. So, yeah, Ozzy seems really stoked on it, apparently. He was like well into it. And it must be pretty cool as well, if you're Ozzy, to have had this insane career where you start, um, you know, this massive legendary band. You have that weird period in the middle of doing Osbourne's and having like massive mainstream fame. And now you're guesting on a song of a huge mainstream artist in 2019. Like, what an interesting life Ozzy Osbourne's had, to say the least. It feels like a massive understatement. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I wouldn't say it was a cash grab from Wozzy necessarily because I don't think he really needs to do that. I'd just say it was a little bit uninspiring. Yeah, it was meh. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to take the next question, Alice?
1: <laughs> okay, so do you have any favourite venues? I haven't been to many, but Brixton Academy was really cool. I was right at the front for Gojira, so I'm definitely biased. Forgot about the Albert Hall as well. That's not bad. It says Crazy Platypus.
0: Well, Crazy Placipus, I agree with you. I was right, well, I was going to say I was right at the front for Fikijira. I was right at the front of the seating for Fikijira, Brixton Academy. But it was so fucking amazing. That band sounded incredible. It was just a show where they came out and they really obviously wanted to crush it. And there was so much power and you could feel the electricity in the air, like, that was like one of my that's probably my second best show of the year cuz i'm sort of biased with the whole ramstein show thing but i just love that kujera so so hard and yeah i was seated for that one but brixton is generally my favorite venue because once you're on the lower like the ground floor part of it it's sloped and i really like the idea that you can stand wherever you want in the room and you can still see which is great yeah and the fact that it's really big really airy the stage is massive And it's just, it always feels like a good atmosphere because it's one of those old theatre-style venues, so it's got, you know, a bit of kind of history and, uh, you know, it feels atmospheric before anything's happened. And then when you watch bands, they've got a massive stage, you can see what's going on, and I love it. Uh, Brixton is hands down my favourite venue. But as Crazy Pluspus also said, the Royal Albert Hall is pretty sweet. I think when it's an occasion gig, like... I've seen Oped there, Devon Townsend there. It's another one of those times where you walk into the venue and you know something special is going to happen, like Bring Me With The Orchestra. It really kind of puts everyone in that mindset of it being a prestige gig. It's like a royal venue. And that's really cool as well. And I like The Roundhouse just because it's kind of quirky. Good sound. Good sound it's kind of quirky. Uh, again, there's a few pillars, but on the in the main, you can kind of find somewhere to stand and you can see stuff. And it also feels like just feels cool and interesting. They're my favourite London venues. Um, yeah. What about you? you Are going to represent Wales or are you going to go for London?
1: I don't know. There's none in Wales. No good ones. Oh. Absolutely none.
0: There must be something.
1: Um, there's a few in Bristol. And mm-hmm. um, what do I like in Bristol? <laughs> um, the O2 is rubbish. The O2 Academy. It's like oh, no. awful. Awful. Oh no. Um, but... Um, I like The Fleece. Yeah. Just because it's quite intimate and it's really cool. Um, So I really like that venue. If something's on at The Fleece, I'm like, oh, yeah, I like that place. I'll go there. (laughs) Um, What else do I like in Bristol? I can't even think now. (gasps)
0: Um,
1: Yeah, that's going to be my only mention of Bristol then because I can't even (laughs) think of what the other venues that I go to there are. Um, Oh, there's one that's underneath the ground, like by the station. And it's like in the... It's called the like, oh shit. it's called like the, um, I can't remember what it's called, but it's basically what the venue is. It's like the old.
0: Oh, you mean like if it was an engine shed, it would be like the engine shed. Yeah, it's like, yeah, but it's, yeah, not an but shed. it's like <laughs> the, the tunnels
1: or something. Okay, It, it yeah. must be called, maybe it is called the tunnels. Anyway, it's underneath the station. That's pretty cool just because it's like, ooh, spooky. Yeah. There's one like that in um, in London as well. You I mean saw the last ever Jack of Jill show there. I can't remember what it's called. It's you know, a like bit you know, like that. like a
0: house of vans under the station or anything like that?
1: No, I can't remember what it's called, though. It was Just years house of vans ago. is
0: quite cool. That's under Waterloo Station. And yeah, it's okay. got that, like, tunnel shape to it where, like, all the rooms have the curved ceilings. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. It's this like the all these
1: old tunnels. And there's there's loads of them in Bath as well. There's quite a few around there and the train stations. They're all these old tunnels and... In Bath, they've changed, they've turned quite a few of them into um, restaurants. Yeah. So you go in and it's just this big. It's really cool. But um, yeah, I think they make quite cool venues. I like quirky venues. Um, So I like, I really like the underworld. Mm. I just think that it works really well. Like once you're in that. Well, it's not, I don't know.
0: It is underground, isn't it? It is, is, but it's it's not. not, Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So yeah, I like that just because I mean the toilets are disgusting. They really need to sort that out. But um yeah, when you're actually in when you're actually in the venue, it's yeah, and, and like in front of the stage. It's just yeah, it's, it's intimate but it's big enough that you can get enough people in there, but it doesn't feel like you're ages and ages away from the stage or the band, which is quite good. It's it's a bit it sucks a bit if it's completely Rammed like yeah you
0: cannot get down on the floor yeah. and you can't see over the balcony
1: yeah that sucks like when it's way too packed but yeah oh th- there's a phone going and messing it mine? I don't oh, know I'm sorry but it's messing with the, <laughs> the <laughs> you need to bring your crystals to diffuse, diffuse yeah. the phone energy um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I, I like the underworld I like the roundhouse because the sound is amazing um and it's just really fun like if there's a really like fun band there like a something you can dance to it's like it's really spacey and I really like that um and I guess like as a venue I quite like the electric ballroom but I really yeah yeah I quite like it I don't know because you can go upstairs and you can see or then you can go downstairs (laughs) and you get right to the front and I don't know there's like there's no big pillars in your way and I find that a massive issue with a lot of venues yeah there's stuff in your way and you just want to see the stage and there's always things in your way and there's you can stand by the bar in electric ballroom and still see the stage and just be like I'll have another drink now that is true (laughs) I'm not a
0: huge fan I have to say I think it works much better as a venue like a club night venue I think it doesn't work that well as a gig venue but at least we have it because it's kind of that middle capacity size yeah. that means bands can come through and have a place to play. So I wouldn't like want it to not be there, but it's not my favorite.
1: I'd, I quite like it. I'd, uh, yeah. I quite Sorry, I always say
0: London Cedric guys, write in and tell us your favorite venues. Yeah. Uh, I'm from Manchester, but it's been a while since I've been back to see a show there. I think the last time probably would have been at the Academy and yeah, the Academy is cool, but I haven't got anything. Particularly interesting to say about it. Mm. <laughs> well, Stone Cold Ads has a question. Stone yeah. Cold Ads, see what he did there. Yeah. He says, Why do you promoters seem to have a tendency to want to book the UK just after Christmas? Because I'm already seeing Slipknot, Sabaton, and Aussie within 21 days. I can't see Five Finger, Death Punch, and Megadeth. That really sucks. I'm really sorry, Stone Cold Ads. That really sucks. There's just too many good bands in a short space of time, basically. Yes. Uh, I mean, I'm not a scientist or a promoter. (laughs) My answer to this would be usually there are tons of bands touring in the summer. They're doing the festival circuit. So you get bands going all around there, playing all over Europe and the States. And generally bands aren't allowed to announce tours when they're booked for festivals because the pros of the festivals want people to buy a ticket and go out and see the band. And if they know that band are going on tour, it might jeopardize the chance of somebody buying a ticket for the band they like. Mm -hmm. So after a festival like Download in the UK or Bloodstock, there are usually a ton of tour announcements during the festival weekend or just after saying, hey, you know, you like this band, they played this festival, now Mm -hmm. go and see them. And it seems to be that the timing is once bands have come off that festival circuit, they maybe have a short break or do another tour, And then the winter is kind of used for touring as well, like to continue the cycle. So it kind of seems like we get quite a lot of gigs in the run up to Christmas and just after Christmas as well, because it's in that zone just a few months after the summer touring festival and then a few months before it begins. So it kind of just seems to fit into those gaps. I don't know with metal as well, whether there are economic reasons because the period at the beginning of the year tends to be quite quiet often bands metal bands play gigs on Sundays because I'm guessing that is the cheaper night to play if you're hiring a venue and I don't know whether there's a similar thing at about the beginning of the year like it's a bit quieter and you know metal bands can get people in but I'm literally speculating because I have no idea and it is not my area <laughs> but I would say like the post-festival season has a massive knock-on effect with when bands actually go and do their own tours
1: Yeah, I mean, I I always find it, the run-up to Christmas is always super, super, super packed. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, there's, like, mini festivals or, yeah, like, festivals running up to it as well. Um, And then it's, like, around Easter time that I find loads and loads of bands seem to... Be around or little festivals again. Yeah, I like, like It does that.
0: seem to be kind of like run up to Christmas and then you've got a bit of January, February action and then you're kind of kicking off for the summer. But yeah, I mean, we have got Slipknot, Sabaton, Aussie, Five Finger Death, Punch and Megadeth. So it's going to be a pretty metal winter. And, um, you know, Stone Cold adds, I'm sorry you can't see Five Finger and Megadeth, but at least you've got Slipknot, Sabaton and Aussie. So that's a good winter. Mm-hmm. And you never know. Maybe, maybe Santa will be able to help you out with the other two. <laughs> gigs. Well, well, the other <laughs> gig with the two bands in. You yeah. You could ask Santa. Yeah, you exactly. Never know.
1: You never know. He might be kind. He might take pity on you.
0: might be a metal Santa, and instead of leaving a lump of coal because you've been a terrible human, he might leave some tickets. Yeah. It's worth asking. It is. We've got one more question. Alice, do you want to do it?
1: Uh, I suppose (laughs) so
0: you know you want to
1: Franek Daluski
0: Daniewski Franek Daniewski I'm going to go with that I don't know you
1: you go with it alright yeah (laughs) sorry Franek we don't know how to say your name Um, have you ever felt sexually attracted to a song or album
0: what an interesting question yeah Alice, have you ever felt sexually attracted to a album? I mean, like,
1: just, I have so many questions back. <laughs> so many questions.
0: Well, it's quite interesting, you know, because does he mean the physical... Yeah, album? like, like the actual album. Yeah. Like, wow, this All album is
1: sexy. That album artwork, wow. I know,
0: right? Well... Actually I used to work for another magazine back in the day called Bazaar and we did a piece on a woman who fell in love with the Berlin Wall. Well, this is what I'm and thinking. She married or d- it. Yeah. Do you mean the actual physical copy? Because that's a real condition called objectum sexuality. Yeah. So you can actually fall in love with objects and like want to marry them and be in a relationship with them. That's a real psychological condition. Yeah. So, you know, that coven album vinyl you're talking about.
1: I mean, it's pretty attracted to that. You'd want to marry it. I mean, maybe, <laughs> perhaps. I don't know if they're... it's the same as being sexually attracted to it,
0: though.
1: <laughs> um, I mean, maybe if it was an album cover with a really hot guy on it.
0: Yeah, that could work.
1: I mean, maybe. Yeah. Um, or is it just the music that you mean? Like when you're listening to it, does it, is it like Barry White? Is it like some <laughs> kind of like oyster of music?
0: I don't know it's sexually attracted to a song or album so it's like do you want to have sex with the song or the album or does that make you right. want to have sex with a person that's another question Yeah
1: see I'm still confused by this question I think we just
0: have to take it as our own interpretation Right The first I'm not going to lie the first time I heard Accelerated Evolution by Devin Townsend I was like this album is incredible I want to have sex with the person who created this and I didn't know anything about what it was and uh
1: but that's the person that created it. And that's the music. So it's in, it's like it's inspired this kind of lust, this kind of attraction. But I
0: had no idea where this music came from or who had made it. I just heard this music and was like, fucking hell, fuck me. This music is good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, then, a blank but that's kind of like the
1: same it. thing when you're like, this guy's kind of ugly. But then they get on stage and then they're like amazing. And you're like, oh, I'm suddenly like. Actually, he's not ugly, but it's it kind of happened to me with you know Ina from Wadrua. Ward- <laughs> like, <laughs> what are we honestly, Like, he's
0: he's, not he's, an ugly man. he's, a, he's a beautiful man, man right? Anyway, <laughs>
1: but like his voice on stage, like, it's I like I like it on album anyway, but when I saw him do it live, I was just like, I I I want to marry him. I'm in love with this guy now. So it's that kind of thing. It's kind of like, you know, they've they've got a sheer talent or just like charisma about them. Some
0: people do have so much charisma yeah like just you know that kind of uh someone could be quite unassuming in real life and then they can step on stage and be yeah exactly you know transform into more of an act i guess Mm -hmm. um i think about accelerated evolution as well when i heard that i wasn't even thinking about any of the content of the songs and the content of the songs is like um quite emotionally wrought and like (laughs) <laughs> difficult, but I was just like, this music sounds so good because I hadn't really heard anything like it. So it was mm. just one of those things where you're sort of swept away by it. So I don't know, there's different layers here, different shades of grey. It's way too, say. way too complex different to answer grey, so in one podcast. It. Yeah, we'd have to pick have it to... apart.
1: We'd have to pick this apart. We'd have to analyze it. We'd have to have like three hour show.
0: Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna have to keep thinking of this one, frantic because we're not really sure how we feel about it. No, but it's an interesting question. <laughs> and if i come into the office early one morning and find alice in a compromising position with a record it's gonna be a i weird don't day. think it's gonna happen <laughs> i
1: mean i get very excited with certain new albums out and you know if i get one delivered to me but i, I don't know if it's,
0: it's i don't know if it's sexual <laughs> <laughs> i think you're gonna say it's not gonna happen because i'm always late
1: <laughs> also that
0: <laughs> we should probably wrap but it up. you're there, also guys.
1: also always late
0: i am (laughs) so i mean so it
1: could happen to either of us
0: (laughs) (laughs) well yeah we should probably leave it there but send us more questions we need more things to um you know blur our minds and keep us on our toes but definitely come back next week i'm actually not here next week Uh, but alice will be here i know um, you can cry for me later (laughs) alice will be here and merlin will be back next week and he is currently in san francisco and he's going to be coming back and reviewing snm 2 and Iron Maiden in San Francisco. So mm-hmm. get ready to sit back, settle in and hear about that. Because yes. I think he's going to a the lot USA. to say about <laughs> those two gigs. <laughs> if you've followed him on Instagram or Twitter, I think he's put a few little updates on there. Also, just a reminder to go out and buy Metal Hammer with Baby Metal on the cover. Honestly, it's just a crazy journey through their metal galaxy and everything that they've been through. They've got, we've got that exclusive patch that comes with it of the Fox God in corpse paint. We've got the art print of the Fox God as a constellation. We've got all those other things we talked about. Corn, Steel Panther, Court of Luna, Opeth, Motorhead, Slipknot, Cradle of Filth, Baroness, Soundgarden. All those bands and more in the massive new issue of Metal Hammer. So go out there. tinyworld.com slash buyhammer or go into a shop and, yes. you know, do it old school indeed i like the old school ways that is it for next week yes see you later
1: bye Bye.